AnteUp is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But AnteUp is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. AnteUp, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's November 9th, 2018. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Are you home? I am home. Are I'm you home sure? Thanksgiving, yes. <laughs> And then somehow my wife talked me into going to Vegas, where I don't really want to go. But, no way. But, uh, you know, I, I guess there's, you know, that's probably the best place to spend Thanksgiving, right? When... <laughs> oh, no way. You're going to Vegas. And the funny thing is, is that unrelated, uh, some poker friends that don't live there will be there at the same time. So Holy up, cow. Apparently everybody goes to Vegas for Thanksgiving. I didn't wow. get the memo to go this year. but Waking up in Vegas with Kate Perry, man, I tell you. <laughs> No, that's only when Laura doesn't go with me, so. Ah, I gotcha. All right. So are you uh, just, what are you going to Vegas for? I mean, why did she want to go to Vegas? Gamble? No, no. I, I didn't want to go to Vegas. The wife wanted to go to That's Vegas. what I mean. Why does she want to go? Is she going to gamble? or? Uh, she just misses it. She misses Vegas, so she wow. still likes it. I, uh, I'm a little <laughs> over it. but Holy cow. But, but I talked her into two nights in Zion National Park at the end of it. Oh, so yeah, that's beautiful there. But looking forward to it. All right, cool. Things we do for our wives, right? Go to I Vegas. Know. Jeez. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a lot of traveling last week. I was on the Antioch Poker Cruise, as you all know, when I gave you those uh, that very short uh, phone-it-in show that we always do on the boat. Although, I actually thought it was a good uh, good interview with Willie. He was yeah. an interesting guy. So He's a good writer, too. He writes really well for us, and he covers a lot of topics, and uh, great to have him on board. So I hope people enjoyed that. Um, and uh, then he got off the ship, and then literally got on a plane that day and flew to Pearl River Resort in Choctaw, Mississippi, and uh, for the end of our Antioch tour event, which was going on at the same time, I kind of felt bad about that, uh, missing it. Um, but uh, got there just in time for the final day. And what a, an amazing story. So, um, you know, we, we've talked about this on the show before, too. As journalists, you know, you, you're not biased, but you're kind of rooting for a story that you can write, right? Exactly. So, and it doesn't really matter. I mean, like, once you're at a final table and you start watching the play and you start developing story ideas, right? I'm right. like, all right, if this person wins. <clears throat> this is how I'm going to write the story. This person wins. This is how I'm going to write the story. Um, or this person wins. I have no idea what I'm going to write about, right? right. So, um, so again, it's not picking favorites. It's picking favorite stories, right? So um, this final table was fascinating to me in a lot of ways. So, uh, one, everybody was super nice at the final table. No jerks. Everybody was very happy to be uh, congratulating each other at the final table. We did a big photo before we started play. Uh, everybody's in great mood. Um which is kind of rare. There's usually somebody that's a bah humbug, right? But yeah, yeah. not. And then the play started going, and I started texting you, and I was like, I'm seeing some stuff at this final table that I cannot <laughs> believe. Um, and then, uh, so it was kind of shocking to me. And then, you know, as you get closer down, you get like, you know, six left. I usually uh, 
pop on Hendon Mob and uh, start researching all the players so I can some background of where they are and found out this was a stacked final table, Chris. Wow. We had one player that is a World Series bracelet winner. We had another player who just won a World Series circuit ring two months ago, another one that won one earlier, and another one that was a runner-up not too long ago. So the fact that I was sitting there kind of astonished at some of the money, I kind of felt bad that maybe these people really do know what they're doing. Yeah. Way more than I do, so uh, I apologize to those who I telegraph in my mind. Is do you think crazy. do you think poker players like look at us like baseball players look at the you know the reporters on their beats and like <laughs> how could you possibly be asking these questions? You don't even understand the game. <laughs> what are you even doing here? I was seven levels ahead of you, Scott. No, that, that, that could very well could be what happened there, but it, it was an interesting final table to watch. So. Um, so we got down to um, three-handed, and the other interesting thing about this final table was there was no discussion of a chop at all. Uh, that almost never happens to yeah, yeah. somebody at some point. Uh, usually right when you start to get to the final table, and if not, about six-handed, uh, they start talking about it. Nothing. Not even a peep about it. Not even a whisper from anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Finally, got three-handed, and uh, one of the, the guys uh, brought up an ICM deal. I'm like, all right, here we go. And uh, so they started discussing it, went back and forth. Um, and then, as always with our tour events, what complicates it is that we have these extra things that the player gets, right? So right, right. winner gets to be on the cover of the magazine. They get to um, go to Thunder Valley and play in the main event of our world championship. So those things always seem to find a way to derail the conversation, Grace, and the deal. <laughs> uh, so they all seemed happy on the ICM deal, and then uh, the player in third place at the time said, he's the one that brought up, he's like, is there, is there anything extra? And then I mentioned the cover and the seat, and then so they start talking about it, and he's like, I really want the seat. I want to go to California and play. Well, the other two players didn't. So I'm like, all right, this is going to be pretty easy. They're going to give him the seat and, and this thing. And then uh, the chip leader's like, oh, you give me 800 bucks for the seat. <laughs> now he's selling the seat that he hasn't even won, right? <laughs> uh, and then finally the other player was like, you know, forget it. Uh, we're, we're, we're done. And so the deal collapsed. So in the middle of this deal, I was like, I had great storylines for the chip leader and the second chip leader. This third guy, the guy that wanted to go to California, I had no storyline for him. Ugh. And I'm like, and here we are, like, in a minute, and I'm like, he's going to cut a deal where he's going to get the cover in the seat, and I'm going to have no idea what to talk to him about because he was the most quiet player at the table. I didn't even know he was there. As I, you know, I think you read the article I wrote. I'm like, if it wasn't for this cowboy hat, which is hard to miss, I would have known he was there. He was the quietest player. He never got involved in pots, came to the table with a lot of chips, just watched other people knock everybody out. And now he was going to be the champion. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be the shortest story ever. Chris is going to hate me. <laughs> Make photos really, really big. <laughs> um, so it, uh, so the, the deal collapsed. I'm like, all right, good. Now I'll work. You know, one of these other two is probably going to win. That guy goes all in. Like, soon after that, I'm like, all right, he's out. Catches up, wins, stays in, goes all in again, cripples the other player. Now he's the dominant chip leader and then uh, um, knocks out the one player. Uh, third player, so now it's heads up, and they they reach a deal, and he wins. And at this point, now I have a story about him because um, you know I sat down with him, and the first thing I said was like, uh, his name's Terry Simpson, by the way. Uh, I was like, you know, I, I said what I just said. I'm like, you know, hey, if it wasn't for your cowboy hat, I would not have known that you were at the table. And you never know when you ask a question like that, right? You don't know if you're going to offend the guy. Yeah. Not. And he he laughed, and he's like, "Yep, that was my plan all along." I'm like, "All right, I've got an in." And then, um, <laughs> 
And it was just a great story because here's the deal. Everybody else, uh, the, the two players that were left, one of them was the circuit ring winner from two months ago. The other one had, was a runner-up. They both have, um, I want to say, six figures in, in earnings, but it might be a little bit less than that. But significant, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy has never won anything. <laughs> He's won a couple local tournaments, and that's it. And um, so we started talking to him about it, and I asked him about the chop. I'm like, well, why was that such a big deal? And he's like, Scott, I've never won one of these. I just, one time in my life, I just want to win a big tournament like this. And um, and so the interesting thing was, before we sat down in the room, he's like, I got to go call my son. I got to tell him I won. And, and you could watch him from across the room, just like the smile on his face, Chris. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah, talking for like twenty minutes, and I'm like, dude, I gotta go to bed. Hurry up! <laughs> but it was a good moment to watch. It was really, really fun to watch. And then, you know, as so I kept talking to him, you know, he's a truck driver. He had to he had to be at work at six a.m. This is one a.m. <laughs> you know, who knows how long they would have gone out? Not kind of deal. Getting in the truck at six, uh, and he's like, you know, I drive a truck all day, all week long, and on turn uh, weekends I play cards. And uh, and he's like, I just never want anything like this ever. And it's funny, the Hendon mob, I think, fused two people. Because half his caches on there were from in London, England. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and I promise you, this gentleman has not been over to London, England. <laughs> Unless he could drive a truck across the Atlantic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, so uh, so I got done. I'm like, all right, this ended up being a really great story from like a half an hour before. I thought it was going to be terrible, right? And then I just, you know, it, it just kind of kind of hit me that this is why you and I started the magazine, right? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we started it jobs <laughs> but this was the inspiration for starting the magazine <laughs> but the niche was back in the day you know you open card player bluff and you didn't see players like you and me or you didn't see players like terry simpson in there you saw daniel negrano and phil helmy within nothing wrong with that but um as we've said constantly you know 95 percent of poker players in the united states are recreational players they're not pros and they might get lucky every once in a while have a big tournament for the most part they were just playing for fun, and no one was covering them until we started covering it. And um, and it was just so weird. So more than 10 years after we started it, there was just this, just such this big slam-in-my-face reminder of, of what we were doing and why we do it. So I thought that was a pretty cool story. And all. he won one of our undercard events, too. Yeah, he had a great – that was the other thing that was interesting about this is that, you know, I did notice um, – I did know during the final table that he'd won an event before because, you know, I had posted the results. Right. Um, and then, you know, when he was talking to his, um, son on the phone while I was waiting for the interview, obviously I'm idle hands. <laughs> so going through all the other results and I realized that he cashed in two other ones. So Jeez. he had two caches and, uh, two, two titles, including the main event. And that's pretty impressive for anyone, right? Yeah. Out of 10, 10 tournaments too. So I asked him about that and he's like, He's like, I've never taken. Uh, I'm, like, I'm like, were you just in a zone? Because that usually happens, right? You know, yeah. players just are playing well, and then and confidence breeds confidence. And he's like, you know, I just I've never taken a week off of work just to play a series. And so I, I told myself a while back when I saw this, I was just going to take the week off, and I was going to think, eat, sleep, do nothing but poker. And that's what I did, and it worked out really well for me. And I'm like, that's pretty cool too, because again. Most recreational players don't get that chance. You know, you might uh, take a couple days off to go to Vegas for the series and try to get a big score. Um, you know, you might might take a couple days off your local um, tournaments, but you know, you got jobs. You got nine to fives, right? Got to yeah. got to pay the mortgage, and you, you can't. Uh, your life can't be uh, 
oh, I'll bet you a million dollars you don't need a hamburger for a year, like, you know, stuff like that, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, so the fact that he he made the commitment to take a week off of work just to play poker and it worked out for him was phenomenal. I thought. Do you ever think that uh, at the uh, very first poker table where there was a deal, there was some journalist on deadline whispering in someone's ear, "Hey, <laughs> I got an idea." getting really late i'm gonna miss my deadline why don't you guys offer to to you know split the prize pool we'll call it chop we'll call it chop <laughs> there's some journalists back there back in the day when they first invented tournaments trying to make a deadline you know inserting then, sort of inception you know yeah and then i promise you that journalist's grandson or granddaughter was the one that came up with the icm deal because <laughs> yeah, i realized people aren't chopping anymore so i gotta find a new way that's to get right to get out of here <laughs> Because that's it's hilarious. You're like, come on, guys, end. I got to go to bed. You know, everyone thinks that when you're covering these events, you're like, I got an hour and a half drive home still, and I got to go to bed, and it's already two a.m. Come on, end this tournament, end this tournament. At that point, you lose your journalistic integrity, and you're like, I don't care who freaking wins. I don't. I want this guy to lose. I'm somebody. I want this guy to win with a big stack. I want it to end. You know, but not because I don't like well, anybody. Next, I'm not being impartial. It's just because I need to go to bed. <laughs> Well, it's a double-edged sword because when it's a chop, it's a usually a, a more boring story, right? So when there's a, when they play it out, but yeah, you're right. It's uh, uh, the other really fascinating thing for me about this tournament. It always happens in the Pearl River, and, they, and the tournament staff always laughs at me, right? Because uh, they always bring back about 30, 40 players every time I've been there. We've done seven tournaments there, I think. Now uh, they bring back you know right around forty players, and then the first ten drop off just like that, right? Yeah. Like, I even set my computer up. I haven't even gone over to get my popcorn. <laughs> like, I come back, and I'm like, it's 29 now. What happened? And then I'm like, oh, my gosh. We're going to finish this tournament in daylight. And then they start giggling at me. Yeah. And then it slows down. This one, literally, every time I got up to refill my soda or go to the bathroom or, or whatever, I came back. Two people were gone, and we were down to the final table, and it was still light out when the final table started. And daylight saving time, too. So... It got dark earlier, so that's how quickly this uh, day two is going. And then the longest final table in the history of final tables, I promise you. I, it finished like right after midnight. I think they got to the final table around five, six, maybe six. And so that, that final table took a good six hours to get those last uh, eight, seven people out because they had a big nine-handed because they knocked two out on the bubble. Wow. Uh, yeah, it, it was, and, and and to the tournament director's credit, uh, it was a really good structure. And when we got to the final table, everybody had like a hundred big blinds or something. So it was almost crazy to think that people were going all in at some point when they finally did, because really wasn't any urgency at that point. Um, and certainly when that deal, that three uh, three way deal at the end broke down, I was looking at the chip stacks and I'm like, all right, yeah, Terry's probably on his way out pretty soon. Uh, with these other two, you know, <laughs> they're good all night. And then when he doubled through both of them, I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> this is going to be a long night. So, very interesting how poker works out that way. Yeah, it's pretty one cool. of the reasons that it's very hard to televise it live. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Well, we had uh, everything else was great out there. Um, some other interesting storylines. Uh, Tara Snow uh, from Alabama. She's always out there. Her dream has been to go to Thunder Valley, and I feel bad for her every time she makes it to the final day two of the main event and falls short. She was like uh, fourth or fifth in chips this time on day two, and 
just hit a run of bad luck. Uh, one of our previous champions uh, was second in chips, I think, going to the final day, and he was out um, early too. Really yeah, weird. But uh, but Tara won the first event, uh, event one, which is a multi-day, 100,000 guarantee. So she had a nice little payday. It's always good to see people that are excited to be there win. Um, so and it'll be a good series, and uh, hopefully we'll be back out for the March series. We'll let you know if uh, we get that deal worked out. But other than that, uh, our upcoming events will be Viva uh, <laughs> or Viva, right? Viva. Viva uh, Hotel and Casino um, near Phoenix, March twenty-third to thirty-first, uh, and of course the Antioch World Championship, Antioch North Cal Classic at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, in July of next year. And then Wild Horse Pass Hotel and Casino, also new near Phoenix, November 11th through 16th. And uh, we're working on a couple others, so stay tuned for those details. Gotta love having all of those uh, those tour stops. Just it's great. I mean, you get to go travel. I get a week off from listening to you yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> we get a cover story out of it. It's great. But yeah, we are working on some more, so it's pretty cool. Um, I tell you that this this past uh, election has been pretty pretty strenuous to us uh yeah it's um i mean not just the the politics of what you and i believe in but from the actual from a company standpoint uh uh, i couldn't imagine a more devastating tuesday for us so uh i'm gonna run down there were uh, a couple states that had gambling measures um on the ballot and here's how they failed as we mentioned florida voters here dealt a devastating blow to gamblers overwhelmingly improving an amendment to require all future gambling expansion to be approved by voters and then also banning greyhound racing arkansas voters went in the other direction approving a ballot issue to bring full-fledged casinos to the limited gaming offerings at oakland park and southland park as well as two other locations if local voters approve them sports betting also was approved as part of that amendment and then in Louisiana, 47 of 64 parishes approved regulated daily fantasy sports. So that's that was the big things that I saw nationwide. Uh, good news in Arkansas for gamblers. Uh, good news for uh, daily fantasy sports players in Louisiana. Uh, very, very bad news for uh, gamblers in Florida. Uh, this is when the Annie Up Nation gets a little peek into like what a board meeting would be like at Annie Up here. I'm going to ask you a question that, uh, pertaining to our next issue. So we're talking about how Southland is closing their poker room, right? and they're going to be purging their jackpot money and everything, and then it's going to be closed around December 2nd or something like that. Um, but does this now mean that there might be a chance that they'll have full-fledged gambling? And Well, it definitely will, so it's just a matter of whether they want to open a real poker room. Real in poker that room, yeah. So, so it could be just temporary, we're hoping. Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah, and uh, for folks that haven't been to Arkansas before, both Oakland Park and South, uh, Oakland Park the horse track, Southland Park the Greyhound track, um, they both had electronic gambling. So I mean, slot machines, and they both had at one point um, those uh, Poker Pro electronic tables for right. their poker rooms. Oakland gave it up uh, probably a year or two ago, um, and then Southland, as you just mentioned, is giving it up in December for now. And then we'll just, uh, I guess, we'll see how long it takes them to um, do whatever they need to do to. I'm sure they're going to be building and adding on and doing all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and then a new kind of re-grand opening um, with their new offerings. And hopefully both will include a poker room, but I guess we'll see. And, of course, the devastating news for us is this this Florida vote. And here's the deal. They they really, for the ones who, who wanted this to go the way they wanted it to go, they really wrote that bill or whatever, that amendment the exact way to get exactly what they wanted because every person I talked to 
they all said, this is great now. When we want to have another casino, we want slots in our ear. We're going to get it so easily now because we get to vote on our own stuff. And I'm like, you're just so stupid. Well, not stupid, but uh, you have to be really... You know, we talked about this earlier on the show when we mentioned them. These amendments, particularly in Florida, are they're very crafty in how they they're all written by special interests and they're very crafty in the way they write them and market them to make you feel that they're one thing and not the other. Um, so I don't necessarily uh, criticize for folks for not understanding it, but I, I do try. I tried really hard before the election to get people to understand what it is, and fortunately, I got through to a lot of people. I just didn't get through to enough. Um, and you're right. So, I mean, that, that's, you know, the people that, that, that voted for it. I mean, there, there are two people that voted for it. One, people that understood it and knew that this was going to shut down all future gaming in the state and maybe even contract some gaming, which I think is probably going to happen. And so this was a great deal for them, right? I think the lion's share of the people that voted for it are people like that people that you mentioned that uh, said, oh, voter choice. Uh, the legislature just isn't giving us what we want put it in the hands of the voters and then we'll have sports betting and we'll have slots everywhere. And, um, and it's the exact opposite because, um, it, the, the process of getting, um, a voter, um, ballot initiative in Florida on the ballot is re- ridiculous. Um, and I probably should have done a better job of posting this before the election than what I posted yesterday in the fit of rage. But, yeah. but really here, here's what voter choice means. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but you start with having to get, 800, uh, roughly 800,000 signatures from voters to even get it on the ballot. Yeah, they have to be registered voters, too. They can't just be potential people. 800,000. I mean, that's just amazing. I mean, we two of them got on the ballot this year, uh, like that, the the gaming one, obviously, and then um, one to restore felons' rights. So it's possible. um, But I I tell you, I, I saw those people with those petitions two years ago. Yeah. At all kinds of events. I couldn't go to an event without them shoving it in my face, asking me to sign it. Um, so it's, it's a lot of work just to get on the ballot after that. Then you've got legal challenges left and right. And then of course this, um, this, this whole thing was bankrolled by Disney who doesn't want any gaming in the state, um, to destroy their wholesome, um, fleecing of your kids' college funds, as <laughs> I call it. Um, and then the Seminole tribe who wants to have, you know, the only real casinos. Yeah. Um, and so any of these initiatives that come up in the future, um, those, t- those $2 billion companies are going to be bankrolling the opposition on it. I promise you that. So it's going to be um, a tough several years here unless we find a way to get around it. Um, and then, like we talked about on the show before, even if you can do all of that and you get it on, on the voting uh, rolls or whatever, now you're looking at the entire state has to agree for yep. you to do whatever little thing you want to do in your town. Yep. And you have to get 60% of those, all of the people in the state to say, yeah, it's okay for Pensacola to have slot machines. Yep. It's, it's disgusting. It's, it's so so you're saying the way around it would be if we did it again and had another well, amendment? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could put another ballot issue on next year's ballot that where it would rescind this um, or change it in some way so i mean it's always possible to do something but it's just gonna be very difficult going forward it's you know i think really the way forward is for voters to realize what they did i mean i was reading the article today in in the times about derby lane and what they're gonna do now and uh, one of the quotes from the ceo was a lot what you said he's like i had somebody call me up today all excited and said when are you guys gonna have slot machines i voted for that amendment and i'm so happy it passed (laughs) <laughs> and, Unbelievable. And he had to say, no, you, you don't understand what you voted for. Not only do we, are we never going to get slot machines now, 
but we may go out of business. And so I think there's just that um, – I think a lot of voters are going to understand what, what they voted on real soon and regret it. And then maybe if there's enough of that, then uh, there will be a movement to get it repealed. And we, we had it happen before. I mean probably 12, 13 years ago we passed an amendment for a high-speed train in Florida, which we all thought was great. Um, and then the legislature didn't. And they put a ballot issue on the next year to – uh, repeal it. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And it happened. So that can happen. So, um, so you know, I guess what we're looking at here, a lot of people have reached out to me in the last couple of days asking what it means. Uh, I, I don't really know what it means right now. I mean, fortunately, we've, for years, years ago, we expanded nationwide. You know, um, the Florida market is a very small market for us now, which is interesting since that was right. our only market when we started, right? right? <laughs> um, so, you know, we'll see what it means. Um, uh, you know, right now, uh, obviously, we have three years before Greyhound Racing stops. That doesn't mean that the Greyhound tracks and the poker rooms will close, but it does mean a source of the revenue is um, gone. Um, in some cases, they were losing money on it, so it may not be that bad of a thing, but um, I don't know. And, you know, some of them could, it, it could be a big deal for them. Um, the other thing, too, now is now they're worried that the Seminole Tribe is going to be bold now to really push the compact through that really gets what they want, which would get rid of all of our designated player games here. So for folks not in Florida, our poker rooms offer like three-card poker and things like that on a player bank system. Right. Um, and the Seminoles think that's a violation of their compact, so that could be part of the, the new compact to eliminate all that, and that's a big source of revenue. So... Don't really know. It's going to be interesting. I mean, and then of course we're talking about the the article Derby Lane today. Um, you know, it's a track, one of the tracks that was probably always going to have Greyhound racing, even if they decoupled it, just because they've been racing Greyhounds there since the twenties. You know, yeah, the Ruth. oldest surviving track, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Babe Ruth used to bet uh, bet on dogs back then, uh, but they're sitting on a lot of land, obviously. And once you don't, you're not racing dogs anymore. You don't need all that land, so. You know they're in they're in a position where they might be able to sell some of that land or redevelop that land and 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 one of the things they mentioned in the article is maybe we'll take the company in a different direction. Um, so that's kind of nice to see that you know they may say hey, you know we've been a greyhound racing company for most of our lives and then we added poker, you know, twenty some years ago and now we're gonna do <laughs> whatever you know live events maybe a concert venue who knows. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be some creativity that's going to be um, needed, and the uh, the ones that are most creative are going to do all right, and the ones that aren't could go out of business. So, but certainly there's not going to be anything added. I mean, sports betting was going to probably be um, a big boost, I think, to our state or gamblers and even our business maybe, and that's obviously ne- not going to happen now. Yeah. Um, and you know who else knows what else could happen? Uh, all we know is it's not going to happen now. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so it may not cost us anything, right now, but it certainly costs us future business, and that's that's difficult. Yeah. All right, our 2019 Antioch Poker Cruise schedule includes a 16-night Panama Canal crossing, an eight-night Southern Caribbean adventure, and two shorter weekend cruises. Passengers on all sailings get a one-month membership to advanced poker training and a quick-reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com. For more info, visit com. Also, join the Antioch Fans Group Facebook page and post within the group to get fa- uh, feedback on hands, ask call the floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Go to Facebook and search for Anti Up Fans and visit that page now to see a post offering 
uh, a free poker test from Annie Up Podcast sponsored Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcastandantietmagazine.com. And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, they've sent us something cool. comes from Adam Borgoyne. He said, I just wanted to give you some information on the new MGM Springfield Poker Room. I previously played at Mohegan, which is a little more than an hour drive for me, but MGM is 25 minutes, so I admit that plays a little into my bias. I cannot say enough good things about the room and crew at MGM. The floor personnel and dealers are all top-notch. Uh, taking into account the fact that some minor mistakes have been made, but remember, 50% of them are new dealers. Uh, professional, fast, and go out of their way to make sure you are happy. There is always a food runner which caters to laziness, but is a conventional, a convenient touch. Conventional. <laughs> uh, there are self-service uh, coffee, soda machines, and water, as well as cocktail servers, of which I will not tip. No kidding, Kurt. of course I will. Uh, the tables are gorgeous. Comfortable rails to lean on. Nice felt shuffle machines that I have yet to see malfunction. And the chairs are by far the most comfortable chairs in any poker room I've ever been in. Every seat has a charging port, which is nice for those long sessions. My only complaint with the tables is there's no cup holders on the rails. There are plenty of side tables and uh, slide under cup holders, but that's it. The games, uh, there's always 1, 2, and 3, 6. Almost always 2-5, as well as various PLO and stud games sprinkled in. I was there Monday night, and they called 5-10 even then and had a full table. I have yet to be there on the weekend, but the game supposedly can get pretty big. Tournaments are starting soon, and they have already started jackpots and promotions. All in all, I would highly recommend anyone in the Springfield area to check it out. Well, it's good to hear that everything's going well there. I mean, you'd like to think that a brand new room gets it right right away. Um, yeah. But sometimes they have some growing pains. But um, but but this kind of jives with what some other folks have told me as well too. So um, good to hear that uh, they're off and running there. Um, one thing I'll, I'll say to Adam though is I'm not a big fan. I'm not surprised that they don't have cup holders on the rails, and I, I'm not a big fan of it. I think when you you open a new room and as you mentioned the tables are gorgeous and all that. Last thing you want is to encourage drinks to be spilled on the table. So yeah. um, that's why those side tables are there um, to keep the drinks off the table. And if you spill it, then you know it spills on a side table or maybe the carpet and uh, doesn't um, uh, interrupt play. I mean, uh, we've all been on the cruise ship when somebody spilled a uh, red ice. wine. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> on all our over felts. The, the cards and everything. And it takes a while to clean that up. So, um, so yeah, I would, that I, that would not be a complaint of mine, but. Um, but uh, everything else sounds pretty good, so I'll look forward to get up to Massachusetts sometime and checking out myself. Yeah, there was a there was a point on the ships where we literally told the servers to bring red wines and like scotch glasses, you know, little yeah. tumblers, <laughs> so that they wouldn't freaking keep knocking over those long stem things. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, we got a brand new O'Malley's move. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. We're still playing $2-$3 Nolem at Hold'em at Harvey's in Lake Tahoe. It's about an hour into our four-hour session, and we sit with around 200, down 100. The blinds post, and we get two callers to us on the button with the seven of spades, seven of hearts. I know many people would raise here, but I like a call and then to play position after the flop. I don't want to bloat the pot with a medium pair. The small blind calls, but the big blind makes a $15 raise. We get one caller, and it's back on us. Okay, I'm ready to set mine. We call the 15, and with about $45 in the pot, three-handed, the flop is the 10 of spades, 6 of hearts, 6 of diamonds. Not a horrible flop for our hand, 
but the under the gun is going to bet out here. He makes it $30 to go. This player seems to know what he's doing, but is miserable. Everything sucks. He always gets sucked out on. Everybody sucks but him. Mumbles under his breath. You know the type. He started the hand with 300 I think this is a good time to float. We can call this bet and then take control of the hand if a scare card comes on the turn. If not, we have two outs that can improve our hand immensely. We call. There's around $100 in the pot after the other player folds, and the turn is the king of clubs. Our opponent checks to us. So, we've invested $45 of our $200 stack. Is this the scare card we were waiting for to take the pot away? Are we value betting? Are we being set up for a check raise? What's the move? This is Daniel Negreanu of FullContactPoker.com. You're listening to Anti-Up. Hi, it's Simon with AdvancedPokerTraining.com. Hand of the Weeks in your hands or situations, a podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. This week comes from Isaac Brown. Call him and, Ike. Uh, I'm sorry? Let's call him Ike. Ike? All right. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to call him Ike. All right. You call him Ike. Uh, comes from a 1-3 cash game at the Post Oak Poker Club in Houston, Texas. You know, taking off down there, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, all right. He says uh, he has everyone covered in the hand and about 250 big blinds deep. Wow. Wow. Everything's bigger in Texas, right? <laughs> uh, it says, I think I have a uh, Jerry Ackley <laughs> sandwich. Does that mean he's old? Generically? Uh, loose image at the table, uh, but most people know I'm very competent and a consistent break-even regular. Uh, let's see. Straddle is on. There are four limpers. And he gets to the small blind, who's a very aggressive player, willing to fight for and bluff at pots, and generally a good-thinking player. He makes it 25 to go. And we are in the big blind with Ace of Diamonds, Jack of Diamonds. Uh... Hmm. All right. Well, I guess he's real aggressive. So normally, I I would consider letting this hand go or just calling with it. Um, but if if I know this guy is just real aggressive and he doesn't have quality starting hands half the time or more than half the time, and I have position on him, I may be willing to to raise it again here and uh, say you know I don't take you seriously, and then just continue betting it. But Sometimes I'd fold this hand too, believe it or not. I, I even though it's, you know, it's suited Broadway and stuff with an ace. It's it's still a, a type of hand that you can totally get trapped with. So uh, in this case, I'll probably call and hope for a nice flop. Um, for me, this is going to come down with what I know about the straddler because that's what I'm more worried about here. I mean, uh, one, I, I don't like <laughs> playing ace jack, ace queen, ace ten um, after a raise. Um, so normally I would fold it. Uh, we're in the big blind, which is terrible position, though we have position on the razor, so that helps a little bit. Um, but uh, the straddler is the type that always likes to raise the straddle. Now we know not only are we calling the small blinds bet the 25, but now we're probably going to have to call another raise, and maybe the small blind re-raises by the time it gets back to us, and we can't do that, right? So mm. um, if I think there's any risk at all that somebody else is going to raise behind me, uh, I'm going to pass on this and um, watch the fireworks. The other thing, too, is we got a lot of callers here, right? Uh, four limpers already? Yeah. Any one of them could also raise now and then make the small blind re-raise, and then we'd have to lay it down. So 
Um, seems like a lot of danger to me. I mean, yeah, so I, I guess to keep the hand of the week going, the one thing is we're pretty deep. So, you know, if we can get to a flop and flop big, um, that's why we have a deep stack. So it might be worth to speculate here where it's, um, wow. I mean, it's, it's a small portion of our stack here to, to try to get that, but I'd just be worried about it being a hundred, 200, 300 by the time it gets back around to me. <laughs> I can't do that. It's Texas, you know. So. No, it is Texas. But here's the deal, too, is you, like you said, you have to know how that straddle's been playing all along. But generally, if you're raising before a straddler, you're not going to see the straddler now pop it again. You know what I mean? The straddler likes to do that because he likes to be able to gain position on one round and then make everybody fold because they don't trust what he has to coin flip or whether or not he really has a hand. But when somebody comes in raising and then we're calling, I doubt that guy's going to pop it again unless he really has a legitimate hand. So that part I'm not worried about. The other limpers, three of the four I'm not worried about because they would have re-raised or raised themselves. They wouldn't have kept limping hoping somebody raised. So uh, I, you know. Straddle on, I mean, it depends. Some people play with straddle, they assume. It all depends on what we know about the straddler and what other players and people and know about the right. straddler. The straddler just does it just to be a Deutsche Bank. Yeah. That's a story. But if this <laughs> is a straddler that likes to straddle because he likes to raise or re-raise, those other limpers might be waiting on that as well, too. So um, there could be a lot of snakes in this uh, pit right now that we don't know about. Also, I've been thinking about it. You said geriatrically loose. I think you meant generically, maybe. Generically, there we go. Okay. He's like a, a general type of loose player. I think is what he meant, not an old loose player. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, so let's see. Uh, uh, do we call? Oh yeah. So uh, makes twenty five to go. We call. We do straddle call. calls, hijack calls, button calls. Wow. And here it says, I thought my hand was too good to fold here, but not quite good enough to make a raise. Since it was suited, I was fine seeing a multi-way pot, knowing that if I call, I'll expect the calling cascade to happen. The straddle, uh, should be mentioned, was also somewhat short-stacked, squiggly 200, so he decided to jam. I was happy calling him. He is utterly maniacal. Okay. Well, that word, maniacal. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Well, so, yeah, so here's the thing. If he's utterly maniacal... I, this goes back to what I was saying, right? So I, I would think the chances are that he was going to raise there, right? Yeah. And if he raises there, what makes me think that small blind, the worst position at the table, with a bunch of callers in there, isn't going to re-raise at that point when it gets back to me? Yeah. But apparently that didn't happen. So, um, but that that certainly would have played into my thinking there, and I would have passed on this hand. But okay. It all worked out. So I mean. Ultimately, I mean, my, my goal would have been to see the flop for 25, which is what we're seeing, with a bunch of other people in there. So, you know, because we're playing for our flush or our straight here. But um, I I would not have been confident that this was going to happen, <laughs> now knowing about the strategy. <clears throat> yeah. uh, all right, the flop is the four of diamonds, ten of clubs, jack of spades, and small blind bets 55. Well, the pot was like 125, 130-ish, so... <clears throat> 55 is kind of small. Um, so I, 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 I'm inclined to raise here um, because, one, it's kind of a coordinated board in that there's jack and a 10 there, and people like to play those types of cards. But we have our backdoor flush if we need it. We have top pair, top kicker. We have a guy who's real aggressive leading the charge here, so we don't necessarily believe this guy. We want to sort of really make the draws pay and get some out there, get some, you know, 
get some other speculators out. Just calling doesn't seem right here. We've got too many people in this hand right now with all these types of cards. So uh, I'm thinking I would probably pop it up here now to like one, I don't know, 140, 150, something like that, and just really make these guys, if they want to be in this hand, they're going to pay to be in this hand, and I don't believe the small blind. So I'm going to I'm gonna pop it. I agree. I think all right. That's what I was thinking about, 140, 150, because, you know, I don't tell so you right. Uh, they're... This board has a lot of potential in the turn for a lot of hands, so let's shut down the potential. Top pair, top kicker. Don't know what the small blind has, but if we can get isolated with him, that's great. Uh, we don't know how much the small blind has, do we? Um, no, we don't. So that would be my only other concern there. But, uh, but yeah, let's let's try to get heads up here and shut this down right now. Um, all right, we decide to call. The straddle calls and everyone else folds. So ultimately the same, almost the same effect. Interesting. Hmm. Um, and here it says, I decided just to call here. I felt that raising would make all weaker hands fold, and if I happen to be up against a big <coughs> hand, I'd like to lose the minimum. I also wanted to see what happens on the turn, as I have some backdoor equity that could be potentially realized. Hmm. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, there's, there's some points there, but I just, I, it seems like an unnecessary risk to me. So, um, you know, we, we got a decent flop. It wasn't the kind of the flop that I was hoping for, but it's a decent enough flop that I would have not wanted to see it. I would not want to have seen a turn with six players, <laughs> five players or whatever it is. Yeah, you, you, when, these are the types of hands you want to shut down. You don't want to drag out. You know, you, you, you've only got one pair, and you don't want these guys to suck out on you. And you, you or want two cards, to, many draws. So. Yeah, lots of draws are still possible. Backdoor draws are possible for you as well. But you've got top pair, top kicker, and you don't want other people coming in for their set price. You want them to come in for the price you're setting so to make it wrong for them to play the hand, you know, and you make enough money on this hand. Right now, if, you, if you've got everybody to fold, you'd make enough money on this pot, so... Well, I guess that's my point on the draws. Our draws are all backdoor draws. So mm -hmm. if we had a live draw, it would be a little different story because then we could cash in on the hits. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to see two cards to, for that draw to get in, yeah. um, which means it could be very expensive on that next street. All right. Um, the turn is the eight of hearts. So our, our board now is four diamonds, ten of clubs, jack spades, eight of hearts, and now the small blind checks. Yeah, I mean, here's where I shut it down. You know, I mean, I, I don't shut it down. I mean, here's where I bring the hammer down on this. Because it's it's very unlikely somebody has nine queen or nine seven. Yeah. But it's now getting to the four-card straight crap where any random card can give this guy a straight or the other guy a straight. Um, so I I feel like I've gotten lucky here that it didn't, you know put up a really scary card but this is something that's leading us to saying okay we can't let them see the river now so i would bet like i don't know i bet like 130 150 something like that one some 100 some, somewhere in the 120 to 150 range something like that i really want this hand to well, be pretty much taken. what we were going to raise to last time yeah that's what i'm thinking 150 a little bit more money in there now so maybe it's a bit more than that but yeah <clears throat> generally that's that sense uh, all right, the hero bets one fifteen. It's a little light, but at least we at least we bet. We'll give him credit for that. Um, straddle folds and the small blind calls. He says I didn't particularly like this card, but it was a relative blank as queen nine gets there and another potential jack makes two pair. However, I didn't think the small blind with three bets small, the weak holding like queen nine, jack eight, but the straddle could certainly call in position with it since the straddle had just under ninety. 
I decided to be just a tad overstacked, hoping to price them in with weaker hands and discourage the small blind from continuing. To my surprise, the small blind flatted, which sent some alarm bells ringing. That's interesting. Sounds like he's on a draw now, actually, because he really had a hand like an over, you know, or something. It just seems like now he's check calling. You know what I mean? Check calling sounds like, to me, a draw now. You know, he, he, popped, he popped it the first time out, not really strong bet. Thinking that well, if I'm wrong, I got to you know I got backdoor draws or I got to draw, and if they shove me out of this hand, then you know I took my shot at it. Now now he's check calling, which means he probably picked up a draw here, and maybe he has a pair and a draw. I don't know, but it sounds like he's got, it sounds like he has a draw now, and uh, if that river is, you know if that river is a blank, you know we're not we're, it, whatever happens on the river now, you know we're if if it's something scary, we're going to be screwed. Um, because he's going to bet into us, and then we're going to have a decision to make. If it's not scary, then I'm not I'm not folding to any bet. I feel like this guy is drawing. Yeah, it's a very interesting situation now because he raised pre-flop. Now, maybe that was because there's so many limpers, and he was just trying to um, take the pot, right? Right. Um, or it means he has a decent hand, and he kept the aggression up on the flop. Um, everybody but two dropped, and then now he checks. Very interesting. Yeah, it was uh, a weak C bet. Yeah, you know? so I mean, it could be nothing, but the fact now he calls, he's not going to call with nothing, right? right? So, you know, you're right. It, it could be <laughs> king queen or something, and they don't draw like that or something like that. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, but I can't imagine anything big. I mean, the two pair hand is not checking that turn. Yeah, there's no way the guy checks a turn if he has a mate, a really good turn. mate hand. Yeah, and there's no way. There's no way he's giving two two players free look. Yeah, when he's got a, a mate hand that's catching up with draws here. So there's no way. There's no way he's just checking. This is what happened. He he had a speculative hand, something connector, something, and then he he raised it because he's an aggressive player to narrow the field, and if not, just take it down. When that didn't happen, he bet weak. Because he might have had a draw on that flop, or he might have just said, "Hey, I have to bet because I'm the one who took control and I'm out of position here, so I got to bet." Bet weak, you know. Got two people to call, which is not what he wanted. Now he's like, "Uh, all right, I'll check now," and because they called, so now he's worried. People behind him are calling, so now he's checking, and now he's calling because he picked up something. He's got either a pair and a draw or a draw, and you know that's what's going on here. This guy's not have like aces or a set, so we're, I think we're ahead. We just got to hope the river is kind to us. Right. All right, the river is the four of clubs. So the final board, four of diamonds, ten of clubs, <laughs> jack of spades, eight of hearts, four of clubs, and a small blind immediately shoves for 240. Nah, I, I don't believe it. That's a good card for us. You know, if this guy had jack 10, I mean, then we're, we're screwed. But if he has any other hand, like two pair on his own, like uh, – I don't know, 10-4, or no, I guess it would make sense. His own pocket pair or something, you know, like nines or something. I mean, I guess we didn't really need that, but or queens or something weird, but he would have bet queens differently. So I don't know. I don't believe it. I mean, why would he check call and then now shove? That four didn't complete anything. Unless he has something like ace-four suited. It's the only hand that beats us, I think, here. Obviously, there are hands that beat us, but I don't think the way it's been played. Ace-four doesn't sense the way he's played it either. Yeah, so... Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is a big bluff right here. Um, the only thing that would give me concern is that you know he could have slowed down the turn to induce a bet out of us, which he got. 
and then we called to uh, he called to kind of disguise strength of his hand and was going to shove no matter what came on the river. Uh, but again, what what would that hand be? I mean, pocket tens maybe. Yeah, because why would he? He would never bet fifty five on a flop set. I think. In but even a set would be vulnerable to that check, right? <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah, unless he's really stepping out, I think this is a this is a big 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 bluff on his part, and uh, we need to sniff it out here. And the good thing is that we got a lot of money, so we can make this call. I yeah. Think, so yeah, it feels like a bluff. And there's enough money in the pot to justify this. I think now with two pair and top kicker, you know, because we had something like Jack Queen, you know, you know, we we got him beat, so he could be playing a hand like that. So, I yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, it's going to take a pretty crafty hand to beat our our hand now, I think, and I don't think this guy has it. No, it doesn't seem that way. Uh, all right, so we tank on it and eventually make the call, Yay. and small blind shows the eight of diamonds, nine of diamonds, and we rake in a really nice pot. Wow, see, that's what it was. It was a He had a draw, but it was a, a gutter on the flop. No, no, it was open-ended. So it was an open-ended oh. draw, and that's why he bet it. And then he got a pair and then checked and then called hoping to, to make two pair or make a straight. And then he, when he didn't get there and he knew his eights weren't good, or his eights, yeah, his eights yeah. weren't good, he shoved. So, yep. wow, nice nice call there. And it was, if you tell the story, it's pretty obvious, but it, it's hard to do in the moment when it's your money and there's a ton of money out there, there's people watching you, and it's not easy to make a call sometimes. That's, that's a good call there. So um, I kind of like how the small blind played this. Uh, I mean, this is a hand that I, I think you need to learn to get out of, out of line with from time to time in the small blind. You know, again, I think his goal there was to uh, take down the pot pre-flop with a big raise, and it didn't work out. Um, and then he got lucky, flopped the open ender, right, yeah. uh, with the back door. Um, and then so that's an easy C-bet to make. You're probably right. You probably bet a little too little there, but... Um, what I don't understand then is then why you slow down on the turn. I know. Why did he slow down on the turn when he got because up here? Your hand improved. <coughs> I mean, you can't put anybody else in this hand on queen nine or seven nine. So your hand improved. Now you got a pair. So now you picked up a couple more outs. Um, in addition to that pretty strong uh, open ended straight, um, I think at that point is when you shove. I mean, he had 240, right? Or, or maybe, you know, we bet the 50. So he had three, 350 at that point. So maybe he doesn't shove, but. But I, I keep the aggression on. I mean, I'm going to go to the mat with this hand. Yep. He should have been the one betting 115 or 150 or whatever it was. Because, I mean, he's keeping up the story, you know, and he he's telling a story that even at that point, he's telling a story that he has an overpair to the jacks. And we might lay down our ace jack there. You know, we might say, you know what, this guy's got a set of tens. He... He raised pre-flop, he bet the flop, and he he didn't bet it too much on the flop, so he could have had a set because he wanted to scare some people away. You know, he wanted to protect his set a little bit because of the Jack-10. So that kind of is in the in line with what kind of bet he might make with a set there. And then when the turn comes, he's got to put the hammer down, so you bet again. And then now you're saying, oh, my ace-jack can't be good here now. This guy just keeps firing at me, and now the board's only getting more and more yeah. scary. yeah. So that that check is what led to our hero calling, I think. Well, I mean, I think this the lesson here for for players is, I mean, it's tough to play out of position, right? So, I mean, there's there's probably a lot of people that listen to our show that would that might make that small blind move to try to take it down, and then obviously would keep the c bed up, and then but you need to realize that turn once you check there, check call, which is fine because you still got all, all kinds of ways to win this hand, right? Right. But then you miss and, and you make that bet. What was the first thing we both said? It was like, that just smells like a bluff. Yeah. 
it's a very easy smells like a bluff situation there. So you might think that you are trying to give off this confidence here, but really it's the exact opposite. I mean, you that that shove there just screen weakness, and that's exactly what it was. You had third pair. Yep. Man. Uh, Fire Hero says, uh, I was really worried the small blind had a hand like Queen Queen or better. It was much more comfortable putting stack in on the river when the board uh, made his hand a two pair. The obvious straight missed, and there's no overcards to the jack. So that would have given me much pause. I also thought he would probably check raise the turn with the premium made hand to try to take whatever semi bluff draws I had, uh, pay the full price. I've seen him bluff before and make thin value bets, and since the pot was already close to 500, I just thought my hand was a bit too good to fold to a relatively small medium bet on the river there. And, uh, yeah, so I think he, uh, Ike, my our buddy Ike now, we're going to call him that. <laughs> I like that. He was a little too worried on the river. I think he should have been less worried, but uh, but he made the call and, and won the pot, so that's all that matters. But Yeah, and the thing he said earlier in the, when it first started the hand of the week was that this guy was aggressive. And so when he's very aggressive like that, you you really can't put him on queen queen, you know. You, you, it's it, and it's it hurts you every once in a while because you never believe the guy. And then when he does have it, that's how you get your stack. But in this case, it just felt like, all right, I just don't believe this guy. And then that 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 bet on the flop was kind of weak. And now he checks. This guy was very aggressive, and now he goes out of his mode. You know, it, it, you just feel like he believes you now. He's not trying to trick you. Um, and if you had check raise there, I don't know. I guess we maybe could get away from the hand if you check raises on the turn. But even then, we yeah, don't... that would have been the play. Actually, that that's what we get. We would get. I mean, I I don't think I can call a check raise on the turn there. But at this point now, it's one player who's willing to bet into him, and the straddle folds. So now when it gets back to him, the check raise plan kind of is like uh, now I'm only. Now I'm raising one guy. I, I don't know. It just seems like. But still, from our from our <coughs> hand at that point, I don't I don't know what I could have put him on there. But yeah, yeah, maybe I mean, we lay it down. I would start to think about sets there at that point, and and we we didn't we don't have any outs at that point to a set, so I might have had to lay it down. That that would have been, a, I, I would have struggled a lot more with that bet than I certainly did with the river all in. Yeah, it'd yeah. been the same amount of money. Yeah, so it's the other thing you got to think about, right? So, yeah. Still a nice hand, though, for Ike. Man, I wonder how much he went home with that night. Yeah, not bad. That's a big night for him. Way to go, Ike. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise... Send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.